I'm James Brian Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. Today's thought from above is this. You are made for God. If you missed the pod episode or this is your first time listening, this is a podcast for what we call Mind Discipleship. It's a podcast for those who want to set their minds on things above. That's where the name of the podcast comes from, from Colossians 3, 1 and 2, where Paul encourages us to set our minds on things above. Setting our minds on good, beautiful, and true thoughts, on uplifting, encouraging, life-giving, biblically-based thoughts from above is not easy. And that is why we do this podcast, to provide for you in each episode a thought from above that you can dwell upon so that your heart will be warmed and you will become an epiphany of grace. Through the course of my life, I've uh, spent a lot of time on airplanes. I've been privileged to be able to travel and speak all around the world, which has been a blessing. One of the things I've noticed, though, when I'm riding on airplanes, is that quite often someone will want to engage in a conversation. And that's fine. They'll look and say, you know, where are you going, so forth, small talk. But eventually they might ask, as many people will do, so, Jim, what do you do for a living? Now, depending on how I answer that question, um, the conversation will go in different directions. I can say I'm a college professor, which is true, and that will take the conversation in a certain direction. I can say I'm a writer, that's true, and that will take the conversation in a certain direction. I can say I'm a minister or pastor, and that's true, and that will take it in a certain way. So whichever way I answer that about theology or Christian spirituality, then Usually what will happen is people will say this sentence, and I've heard it so many times that I can anticipate it. I can even finish their sentence for them, and it goes like this. People will say, well, I'm not religious, but I am spiritual. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that sentence almost exactly verbatim in that way, so much so that if they start to say it, they say, well, you know, I'm not religious. I want to finish and say, but you are spiritual, right? And they'll look at me like, how did you know? Well, the reason is, I think that a lot of people um, maybe aren't engaged in, in their church. They're not active in their faith in some way, but they feel like they're a spiritual person. Now, when I hear that sentence, what I want to say is, and sometimes I have, is to say, well, of course you are. <laughs> of course that's true. You Because you're a spiritual being. When they say, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. Yes, that's true, because spiritual is not something you do. Spiritual is a dimension of who you are. In fact, Alice Willard put it this way. Spiritual is not just something we ought to be. It's something we are and cannot escape. Because it's the nature of the human person that we are spiritual beings. It is who we are. We are all created as a spiritual being. Now, how does that manifest itself? What does that look like? Well, here I have to defer to my man, Adrian von Kamm, because he defines that part of the human person, the spiritual dimension of the human person, as that part of us that longs for the more than, the longing for the more than, that built inside a human person, and this is true of all people, We have this capacity, this ability to dream and imagine and envision things, not as they are, but as they could be. And built inside of us is this longing for things to be more than they are, 
or longing to connect with something that is more than we have felt in this life. I just like von Kamm's phrase, the more than. I've thought about that a lot, that planted deep within each of us is this longing for the more than. And the way that this is experienced is in what I call transcendent moments, those moments when we catch a vision for something bigger. I think of the first time I I felt that, at least that I can remember, was when I was probably about eight years old, and my family and I went to service on Christmas Eve, candlelight Christmas services. We went to those as far back as I can remember. But I remember when I was about eight, maybe nine, uh, we got to the point at the end of the service where you sing Silent Night, and you have your little candles, and the minister will say, now everyone lift your candles up high. And everybody lifts their candle up, and we're singing Silent Night. The church I attend now, where I help lead worship, we do this exact same thing. But I remember that. I was just a kid. But as we lifted those candles high, hearing the people singing Silent Night, I remember having a transcendent moment where I felt like, wow, there's something bigger. There's something happening that's, that's larger than me, that's, that's larger than anything that I've experienced. It's bigger than this church. It's bigger than this place, these people. Um, that is a transcendent moment. And I've discovered that m- most all people have those. In fact, for about 22 years, I taught world religions here at Friends University where I teach. And I would ask the students to write about a transcendent experience. Almost always. Without exception, there may be once or twice someone might say, well, I don't know if I've ever had one, but I'm talking about 99.9% of the time, people will write about some experience that they had where they encountered something bigger than them. So there is this longing for the more than, but even beyond that, that human ability to long for things to be a certain way, to envision and imagine and want to create something. I mean, think about how fascinating it is that mankind has walked on the moon. I mean, where did that come from? Well, originally, people wanted to learn how to fly. I read a, a biography of the Wright brothers, and I was fascinated. These, these were two brothers who worked as an, in a bicycle shop in Ohio. But this longing, this desire for something bigger, this, this we want to learn how to fly, figure that out. And they did. And then eventually, fast forward to 1969, and we're walking on the moon. I, I trace this all to the transcendent dimension, that we have this longing for things to be bigger and better. And it's why we create art and build buildings and dream up anything that we do and plan. That's the spiritual dimension of the human person. So we all have this longing. And here's the false narrative. The false narrative that I see in the world that we live in is that we take this longing and we think, okay, well, what's going to fulfill that? And the false narrative is that people and things can fulfill this longing. That's what we're told. If you just meet the right person, you find your soulmate, or if you just get that job or, or make that amount of money or have those material possessions, that somehow if we get those things, it will fulfill that longing. But here's the truth. The batting average for this is zero. No one has ever gotten any of these things and said, yes, that fulfilled the longing, which is fascinating. 
So we're told, oh, if you just get this, then you'll experience that and, and you'll fulfill that longing. And yet no one has ever said, yeah, I got the thing and it fulfilled the longing. I think of the, the famous song by the band U2 where Bono sings, I've climbed the highest mountain, I've run through the fields, I've, I've scaled these walls, these city walls, and guess what? I still haven't found what I'm looking for. That haunting refrain, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Of course, that band, Bono, they're, they're Christians, and they know this. They know that something deeper is out there, but it's not going to be found in those things. Because the true narrative is this, only God can satisfy our longings. That's the only way that people have ever said, yeah, when I went this route, I found what I was looking for. I love Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God. It is a deep longing of the soul. It's implanted within us, this desire for the more than. And for this reason, only God can satisfy this longing. That's why the great scientist and philosopher and mathematician Blaise Pascal said this, this craving we try in vain to fill with everything around us though none can help, since this infinite abyss can be filled only by God himself. Notice what he says there, this infinite abyss. This longing inside of us is is an infinite abyss. It's so big that it cannot be filled by that which is finite. That's why people and things and accomplishments and all all the things we think, oh, that's going to fulfill me, they can't because they're finite. And this longing is infinite. So therefore, it can only be filled by that which is infinite. Therefore, God. That's the only way it can be fulfilled. So we're built with this need. We're all made for God. And I know many of you who are listening to this have discovered that. And you have found what you have been looking for in that connection to God. That transcendent dimension of who you are longs to be connected to God. And I think about, for example, I mean, how do, you, how do you find that? How do you experience that in your life? How do you find those, what, what the Celtics would call thin places, those places where heaven just comes really close? Like I mentioned in that Christmas Eve candlelight service, that was a thin place for me. That's where I suddenly felt the nearness of the spiritual dimension. Well, I think a lot of people experience it in nature, certainly. Going back to what I said about my students in the World Religions class, many of those students who wrote their papers about where they connected with the transcendent were out in nature. There were times when they said, you know, I was, my family and I went to the Grand Canyon, for example. There's a few Grand Canyon references. Because you look at that and it's vast and it's, it's massive and it's beautiful and People stand before it and they feel small and they think, wow, there's something big. Nature has that power, I believe. It's also because, as Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God. It's just something that nature does for us. 
But I've also noticed that when people go on some kind of a spiritual retreat or to a, a conference like the one we just had, the, the Apprentice Gathering, people go to these events, these retreats, and they find a real connection with God. Which begs the question, well, why is that? Well, I think it's because we come with expectancy. When people go on a retreat, they typically step out of their normal routines and they go off often into the woods, into some sort of quiet place, typically with nature, and there they are. They've, they've pushed everything aside to be present to God. And, of course, that's when they connect to God because God isn't going to knock us over or coerce us or force us into something. God is waiting for us to say, I want to connect with you. And when we do, well, it happens, which is quite profound. It tells us so much about God, that God is not a bully, doesn't just knock us over and say, hey, God is actually there waiting. The, the creator of the universe, the king of kings and lord of lords is waiting for us to say, I want to connect with you. And the moment that we do, God steps in. Because I believe this, our maker longs to be connected with us. But that divine connection requires humility and trust authenticity, and vulnerability on our part. And there's a part of us that rebels against that. So when we get to that place where we say, hey, I need to go on this retreat, I need to go do this thing, that's an act of humility, an act of trust and authenticity and vulnerability. And when we do that, we tend to connect with the divine because God is there and wants to connect with us. And certainly there's a, there are things that we do that nurture this transcendent dimension, uh, those kind of holy habits that we engage in. Certainly for me, Bible uh, reading, Bible study, Bible memorization, uh, Lectio Divina, a practice where you open the, the Bible and you invite the Spirit to speak. Those create transcendent moments for me. Prayer, whether it's breath prayer or liturgical prayer or intercessory prayer, when I'm praying to God, I'm opening myself up. It's, it's, it's a divine communion. Or meditation, uh, where I, I set my mind on God. I'm, I'm attentively, actively aware that God is with me. Those are ways that we connect to God, and they're just profound practices. Another thing that we do, most of us do, I'm sure, who are listening, is we go to church. You know, why do you, why do you go to church? Well, I know the answer for me is I go to church because I find that I connect with God in worship. Worship is one of the most profound ways that we awaken and nurture that transcendent or spiritual dimension of who we are. That as we sing our songs and, and we hear the word proclaimed and we go through whatever liturgies our church uses, uh, we do those things because they're connecting us to the transcendent. That's what they were designed to do. And to do it corporately, to do it with other fellow believers, is quite profound, very powerful. So worship has been, for me, extremely important. And it's going to look different for different people. People like different styles of worship and so forth. But nonetheless, that is what we are experiencing if we come with that holy expectancy, as Richard Foster says. When we come to church, when we go to worship with holy expectancy, God meets us. I love the Westminster Catechism. It was a way of training children in the way of the faith. And the very first question in the Westminster Catechism is, what is the chief end of man? 
It's just a great question. Like, it means, why are we here? What's the whole point of human existence? What's the chief end of man? And the answer is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Ah, it's so beautiful. Why do you exist? To glorify God. Ultimately, we're not here to do the things that we think we're here to do. Yes, it's great to to get married, have a family, have a job, create some things, maybe have some significant accomplishments. That's fine. But the real reason that you and I exist is to glorify God. To glorify means to magnify, to um, that, that people would see God in our lives, that we would, in everything that we do, give glory to God. And then I love the second part, and enjoy Him forever. God is the most joyous being in the universe, and God wants us to enjoy Him, to be in fellowship and connection with God, because we are all made for God. Everything that we need, God provides for us. That's because we are unceasing spiritual beings with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Hey folks, I want to let you know about a recent development here at Friends University where I teach. We have an undergraduate degree program in Christian spiritual formation, a Bachelor of Arts degree, that's both a first and a second major. Now, I teach in this program, as well as some other amazing professors, and I am pleased to announce that Friends University is offering an amazing scholarship of up to $18,000 per year to students interested in studying Christian formation as a part of their college experience. In addition to this amazing scholarship, there'll be hands-on learning with ministry leaders, working with me and others, and great opportunities for internships. Again, this is for both a first major, those who plan on going into ministry, as well as those seeking it as a second major, meaning those who are going to become accountants or therapists or graphic designers or teachers or engineers, any number of other vocations, but they also want to grow in their spiritual lives while in college and get a pretty big scholarship to help pay for college. So if you know someone who would benefit from a degree like this, check out our website, apprenticeinstitute.org, and click on the Friends University tab. Again, apprenticeinstitute.org, and click on the Friends University tab. I hope you join me next time. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Brian Smith. And you can learn more about this podcast. And if you'd like to donate to the Things Above podcast, you can do so on our website, apprenticeinstitute.org. Click the Donate Now button at the top of the page. It's really easy, and it would mean a lot to me. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And you can also subscribe, which means you're going to get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you're asked, what's on your mind? Your answer will be, things above. Things above.